Alright guys, welcome back to episode 7 of the Zoopcast with uh, Adam today. I'm Josh. Louis couldn't make it, but um, got a couple things to talk about here. Belleville sends, along with some very interesting things happening around the league the last couple days. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it was the last couple of episodes, because we always start with like, you know, we go to the send stuff later. We start with like the around the league talk and like the last couple of episodes, it's been like, it's been pretty dry. Like I remember Louis and I, you weren't here last episode. We talked about like Connor Ingram for like five minutes and we we're like this surely this does not matter but there's really it's been pretty dry but last couple days have been a lot of stuff going on one of them probably the biggest signing that happened with I'd say some considerable sense implications uh Andre Svechnikov re-signs with the Carolina Hurricanes for eight years he got 7.75 million I think was the number um and you know immediately being you know on Sen social media and surrounded by a circle of Sen's friends, the first thought that comes to mind is this is like setting the table for the Kachuk contract because this is like two guys that are in the same draft year. They're separated by one pick, which was third overall, which was Kock and Yemi. That's a, that's a story that we'll get to in a second. Um, but so Sveshnikov gets 7.75. I think I've been seeing this a lot. And I agree with it. If you're Brady Kachuk now, I, it is unreasonable for him to ask for more than like 7.5, right? If there's a, if, if Sveshnikov gets this number, would you agree with that? Well, it's interesting because it, um, it depends. I mean, if you're looking at advanced stats, I mean, Sveshnikov is a advanced stats, you know, analytical darling, like he projects really well on those. But if you look at points, I mean, so Kachuk has 125 points in 198 games. And Sveshnikov has 140 points in 205 games. So they're very similar. And Kachuk actually has more goals per game. So they're pretty similar in that regard. And then you have the fact that Kachuk is, you know, leads the league in hits behind Radko Gudis every year. He gets a ton of shots. So it really depends on what kind of stats they're using in negotiations. But I could totally see with the way that the type of player Kachuk is valued around the league that he gets near that exact same amount, like 8 times 7.5 to eight times eight not saying that he's worth that but i could totally see it happening i think i agree with you i also think that it has to do with the term because like obviously it'd be great if they got him for eight years we've been talking about this before like you need to sign your young guys coming out of their elc um because that's always seems to be the best thing for the team but there's obviously still the significant possibility that they might do a bridge deal here um in which case do you think that number maybe he would ask for more or what do you think he would try to settle for less if it's a bridge deal than the Svechnikov number. Yeah, of course, if it's a bridge, the number will be lower. That's kind of the point, like the, you know, the player bets on himself and the team bets on, I guess, not having to overpay a lot more at the end of that bridge. So a bridge maybe would come in at like three times five and a half, maybe, now that we're looking at this. At which point, you know, you don't want Kachuk to be walking right into free agency, obviously. No. I think the, if I wouldn't like a bridge... I think anything six years or higher is ideal in terms of term. 
Yeah, that's what a lot of, I think a lot of people agree with you there. And I think that, you know, when you say the number, like if, if he does a bridge and it's three times only five, obviously Brady Kachuk is, is almost surely worth more than $5 million a year. But when you're talking about the structure as a bridge deal, um, you know, it makes a little more sense for the team and the player. But I, if, if you get into that longer term, um, you know, when you talk about going longer term, then you get up to the six and the seven and the eight. Um, which is probably around where he should be valued at. Um, so it really does all depend on the on the length of the contract. Yeah, and I could see, um, you know, I could see the team wanting to wait a bit to see what's really gonna come out of Kachuk because he's kind of stagnated ever since his first year. Like he's kind of just been that same player, like a fifty point pace, twenty five goal pace, and he's never really taken that next step. And we watch him, you know, we watch every game. He could easily score thirty plus goals just because yeah. he's always around the net. He doesn't have a great shot, but he's always around the net. And that's why a lot of models you know, look at his expected goals and say, well, they're not really as valuable because he just shoots it into pads. But it's like, at what point could Kachuk maybe, you know, get better in tight, get better hands in tight and be able to finish those more often. Mm-hmm. And that's like, if you're Pierre Dorian and you're, you know, playing the long game, it's like, what if he does that now? 7.5 mil on eight years is a steal for a guy who can pop 30 55 60 points and he's leading the league in hits which is you know he's not the type of guy who's going out of his way and throwing himself out of the play too much to get hits he's actually some of them are meaningful so it's still an asset if i'm gm i would just try and do eight years under you know anything under 7.5 for eight years i think i would just pull the trigger on especially because i think that would really help the fan base believe in this rebuild with fans coming back at stands in a month or two if they could say oh we signed our I don't want to say franchise cornerstone with maybe Stitzel coming up, but like sign one of your best players long-term on top of having already signed Shabbat. Like that's a huge confidence booster for the, for the fan base. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And, you know, you talk about Brady Kachuk could score 30 goals. Well, I mean, I think it's important to remember that he's still like, what is he like 22? Like not, you know, yet. He's not Soon, even but like 21. He, he's, he's so young. Like this guy, I mean, we talk about like the the prime of players is getting younger. Everyone knows that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he's still. I wouldn't even say he's in his prime yet at all. He's. Oh he's, no, probably. I don't even know if next season. I think this yeah. is like twenty twenty two, twenty three, and the next two years after that would probably be his best years. Exactly. So there is still a pretty distinct possibility that he does end up scoring thirty goals in a year when he's in his prime and when he can refine all these skills that he's working on and build on his game and be the best that he can be. Um, but I agree with you. If you're, if you're getting a guy who can score 30 goals, get 50, 60 points and throw effective hits, be an effective physical player, as opposed to a detrimental physical player, then it would, it would be stupid not to sign him for in between seven or 8 million. Really? Um, I feel like that's, uh, that's a fair assumption, but we will see what happens with this Kachuk contract training camp is about little less than a month away i guess at this point right probably mm-hmm. well i mean september on two, two wednesday yeah exactly and then a bunch of stuff's gonna happen i remember yeah. I, was, I saw something like what they're they're playing like the halves as, as like a rookie game on the 18th i wonder if that's yep. gonna be open to the public i'm i would definitely try to go to that if, if it's at the senseplex i'm sure it will be right yeah exactly um but we'll see so it's gonna start i mean september's coming it's gonna start happening fast man i think this is where we'll really see I mean, not the contract talks haven't been heating up, but where we'll really see numbers start to fly around. and, and... Oh, I think September 1st is like, people are going to be like, wow, like there's preseason games this month and our, you know, one of our highest scoring forwards is still not signed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is getting scary. 
Right. I, I mean, I, I'm not, I mean, he's going to get signed. Like, I'm not worried that he's not going to get signed. Yeah. I think it's just everybody is in anticipation um, about what the contract's going to look like. But I'm sure we will find out soon enough, probably in the next couple of weeks. So we will see what happens with Brady Kachuk. One more signing to get to before we get to the, what I think would be the craziest story of the weekend. But Sean Couturier saw what Andre Feshnikov did and said, I would like literally the exact same thing. And so he got the exact same thing with the Flyers. Eight years, 7.75. He is not the same player as Andrei Sveshnikov. He's much older than Andrei Sveshnikov. Um, still an effective forward uh, two-way. I think he, did he not, uh, did he win the Selkie? Or was he just a finalist yeah. a couple years ago? Yeah. So basically he won it probably two years after he should have, which is kind of how the league works. Yes, exactly. He was good. He was, you know, the best defensive forward two years before he won, but he wasn't the year in which he did win. It's almost like he's getting it for, how well he played two years prior but yeah yeah well what are you gonna do but sean couturier signs that contract now he as i said is a little bit older i believe he's 30 almost he's 29 or 30 so he's turning 29 in december but his contract doesn't start this year it starts next season 2022 so it starts when he's 30 it starts in the year he turns 30 yeah so this goes till you know the year he turns 38 which is it's a little insane yeah and it has a no movement clause involved a full no move i guess it, um i'm not 100 percent sure so no so um yeah so it'd be full no movement and then the last year it's a 10 team no trade yeah just well, in the last only the last season i mean it's it's a lot that i mean that is bringing him to years that will be much past his prime um oh, yeah. i don't think there's any debate about that but yeah you're right so full no move and then a modified no move on in the last year of the contract which i mean what are you gonna do but uh but yeah i mean i think it's fair to say that he's worth this money now but i i i'd say some people say it might even be a steal of a contract for the first two years but then after that it's gonna start trailing off where he's gonna decline um he, you know, he might not, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to fall off a cliff or anything like that, but he, with age, he will decline. His skill will decline. And that contract might look quite crippling in the last three or four years of it. So do you think this is a, you know, this is worth the gamble for Philadelphia or do you think they should have really tried to go shorter term here? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I'm not sure how good Philly is as a team anyways. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think they're, they're in the most competitive division. Like the Metro has so many good teams in it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's you look at guys who are really good defensively and rely more on their IQ than they do on their skating, and they tend to stay good longer. Guys like O'Reilly and Bergeron and stuff. And so I don't think that contract's going to look bad until maybe five or six years in. But it, it is a weird, it's just a funny coincidence that he signed it the same day as Fetchnikov because they're yeah. not similar at all. Like, literally, like Fechnikov, like he's an getting an hour later. It's yeah. crazy. Because Fetchnikov, I mean, he's getting three years of RFA eaten up on there. He's, by the time his contract's done, he's going to be the age Couturier is now. So, like, it is just such a funny coincidence because they're not comparables. But I'm not sure. I mean, they also, you know, their other top forward, Clojureau, is, is a UFA after this year. So I don't know how much they're going to want to pay him. He's going to be 34. Yeah. It's, I mean, you talked about situation. it. Is there, is their team good? I don't think so. I mean, they brought in actively recruited Rasmus Ristolainen. He's on their team now. He's one of the... Yeah, but they also not, got Ellis. 
They also got Ellis, sure, but I mean, I, I mean, maybe you can yeah, the amount they paid out. to uh, get rid of Goss Despair just to bring yeah, in a worse defense. And Goss Despair was not even really that bad. I mean, his contract. He's was, just good. At, he, he's great in a sheltered role. He's yeah, just not a sure. you know a top defenseman. No, but I mean, it's just like, would you pay? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. We'll see. The, the I mean, what Carter Hart is going to define a lot of what happens. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, if he goes back to 920, then they're a good team. Yeah, I don't know if they're the best team, but they're still a good team. Well, because you go we'll through the Metro, Washington, Pittsburgh usually make it just because. And then you the got, Rangers are going to be good. Be good. We've talked about, I talked about the Devils a lot. I really like them. I think they might push. I like the Islanders Carolina. are going to be there. Carolina, well, <laughs> we'll see what happens with Carolina. We'll get to that. Let's, let's you know what? Claude Drew, we're done with Claude Drew. So, Yesterday, at the time that we're recording this, yesterday, out of absolutely nowhere, I'm scrolling Twitter, and Carolina Hurricanes tweet gets retweeted on my timeline. We have offer sheeted uh, Yasperi Kakanyemi for $6.1 million. Everyone's like, what on earth is going on? It is probably one of the most petty, insane revenge stories in the history of this league, which is hilarious. Because they need it, the, they, the league needs it so bad. Like they need yeah. some kind of like, you know, social like social media screw fest where you know everybody's freaking out and, and it's getting a lot of publicity. Yeah, so I'm looking at their cap friendly now. Kakinami, obviously, we're assuming the Habs don't match it. I don't think they will. Kakinami is your third highest paid player, not just forward, like third highest paid player because they didn't want to resign Hamilton. And like Kakinami gets some kind of has this shadow cast over him just because he was the pick right before Kachuk, but he's not a terrible player. He's not he's third worth, liner. He's a third line. He's not worth that amount of money. I don't think, I don't think you could justify that he's worth $6 million. Oh, no, no, no. But so, so that begs the question, like why really, why did Carolina do this? Was it literally just based out of vengeance because of the Aho offer sheet last summer? I don't think you would jeopardize your cap situation to this extent just to get you know, poke a jab back at Mark Bergevin. Yeah, so obviously Montreal has a habit of rushing guys, like top picks, trying to get them right into the NHL. And they haven't put in the work for his development that is necessary for him to, you know, find his top six role. Um, you know, it, it talk about his skating not being great. It's not a huge issue. He's just, he can't put moves, he can't put things together. Right? Like he, everything is good in isolation, but he can't, do anything together really at an NHL level, especially at a top six in the NHL level. Right. And the other thing is I'm looking at their center core. I mean, they have Aho, they have Jordan Stahl, they have Martin Nechas, and then Trocek normally plays center. He can play right wing, obviously, but like you're pushing guys around onto the wings just mm -hmm. to make this happen, unless they play him on the left wing. But yeah. I mean, he's probably. I'm just looking at their team. So you have Aho, Svechnikov, Stahl, Teravainen, Niederreiter, Trocek, and Nedjas. Like all those guys are objectively better than Kakanyemi. Yeah. So he's he doesn't have a spot in the top six, and he barely has a spot in the top nine. Like he's probably their ninth best forward. And he's getting paid and six million dollars. Six six point one. Yeah. Like and again next year, assuming you know he doesn't break out and sign a full on long term deal, he's getting paid six point one for two more years because he's qualifying. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I mean, yeah. there's so many layers to this. Like, it's so crazy. Like, they, I think it should be pointed out that there's a signing bonus on this contract, <laughs> which is a grand total of $20. 20 is Sebastian Ajo's number. 
did they do this on purpose? Oh, I mean, yeah. probably. Yeah. Like, it's just I mean, like it's it's insane from in a sport like from a from a perspective of a fan who has been an NA, like an NHL fan for I, just, I don't know like they're probably seven or eight years. Never have really I seen anything like this in my life. Like the amount of pettiness that is coming from the Carolina Hurricanes on this is insane. I don't know if you looked at if you saw. I mean, you saw their Twitter yesterday. The what they were yeah. doing. Oh, yeah. The statement. The state. So Tom Dundon. I think it was Tom Dunn who released a statement and it was like a literal copy paste of Mark Bergevin's statement last summer or last year when they tried to offer sheet Aho, mm-hmm. like literally copy paste that replaced Aho yeah. with pocket. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's honestly insane. It's a, I think yeah. it's a hilarious PR stunt, but I also think it's really going to bite, you know, Carolina in the butt a little bit. If they actually end up going through with it. I mean, there's a chance that Montreal matches this which I don't think would be the right move. But, no. I mean, we'll really got to just see what happens, I guess, before you can yeah. judge it. And, I mean, you look more long-term. I'm looking at who they have to re-sign next year. So here's who expires for them next year. Because, you know, we're assuming Kakanemi is going to take his qualifying offer again next year and just yeah. laugh, right? He could just take that until he's a UFA. Exactly. Um, so they have to re-sign Niederreiter, Shochek. I mean, they're, I don't think they're good. They don't, Derek Stepan's not an issue, but Martin Nechas, that's a big big contract. He's been yep. pretty good. And they have to re-sign Ethan Bear as well. Yeah. So there's some names that they have to re-sign that may cost them more. Um, that's why it's like, why are you... I understand that they, they, you know, they're upset that the way the Habs structured the AHO contract cost them a lot of money up front. That was the big issue, I think. Yeah. The only other thing I can imagine, and you know, I told I was talking about this earlier, um, was if they have a verbal agreement in place that says, okay, on July, uh, sorry, January first, which is the earliest he can extend, mm-hmm. we have a deal in place. You know, six years, a couple million, or you know, four years, a couple million dollars, and he's you know taking the basically a front-loaded contract with a verbal agreement, but a that that doesn't seem too likely that a player would agree to that so far ahead of time, but like. I'm just trying to make a situation where this really makes sense for Carolina because I really don't see one. No, I, I agree with you. I think they really, they, I think, I, I guess they must've really taken it personally with the Ajo thing <laughs> and they tried to overcompensate it by throwing a ridiculous amount of money at Kakanyemi, really banking on the Habs to um, match this. I mean, they have seven days. So at the end of the day, we won't know probably for, I'm sure they'll take the whole seven days if they're really thinking about it. I mean, this is a player, I think from a management perspective for Montreal, the only angle that I can see where they match this is we want to save face and prove that this player that we drafted third overall is going to make it. I think that's the only angle that they can take, really. Like, you know, you're looking, everyone's breathing down their neck like you should pick Kachuk. Kachuk was right there. And they want to make it clear, like, we picked our guy and we believe in our guy and we're going to match it because we know he's our guy. That's the only way that I can see that they match the offer sheet, in my opinion. Here's the flip side, though. I mean, so their goaltending tandem is Frederick Anderson, who hasn't been good for one and a half seasons now. Yeah. And Auntie Ronta, who has played in the last three years, 12 games, 33 games, and 12 games. And has posted a 906, 921, and then 905. They don't have the goaltending they really did last year. Like Mdelchkovic was great. Mrazic, when he was healthy, was yeah. good. You know, they don't 
they're not as good of a team. They lost Dougie Hamilton. They're not as good of a team as they were last year. And it's like we said, it's a really competitive Metro. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I've always been a fan of Carolina, what they've done in the past, you know, being an analytical team and they draft very well, the best of, yeah. Making the best of a team that might not have the highest payroll, but this is just so, cause the first round pick they're going to have to give Montreal it can't be protected. It's not a nope. trade, right? They yeah. give them the first it's theirs. This is a really good draft. Yeah, like, it's, it's incredibly good. It's, it's great. It's been talked about for years now yeah. how good this draft is going to be. And even if they don't, even if, let's just say they miss the playoffs, but they don't even win the lottery. Like, if you're giving them the 12th, 13th overall pick, that's that's a good player. That's a player that probably has a better odd of hitting, you know, top six four than Kyle Cammy does at this point. Yeah. yeah. He's 20. He's 21. Yeah, like, it's still young. There's still, you know, time. But sometimes it's... It's interesting. Uh, it depends. Maybe Carolina's scouting staff sees something that they can fix in him that they think is going to make him work out. But otherwise, it's just going to really come back to bite Carolina. So, Maybe so be on strange. The yeah, it's just yeah. so, the, so odd. This this could really just look funny in a year or two oh, from I think now. I mean, it already looks just, funny. Oh, yeah, but just how cocky Carolina was with it on social media. Like, if this doesn't pay out for them, they are going to be a laughing stock for a bit just yeah just exactly. in that regard and it's too bad for them because they've got they've developed after being a laughing stock for a while they've over the last few years really developed this reputation of we're going to get better we're always the underdog we've always got a chance like they made it and they, they signed tony d'angelo and then they signed tony d'angelo and it all went to crap so i mean and now yeah it's like it, honestly someone made a good point which is that this was a really good distraction from that fact people were yeah. upset about that yeah and this news, this is the funniest news the NHL's had in a long time. Maybe since the Sens Uber incident. I don't know. Oh, probably. Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't um, be shocked. So, like, people forgot about it for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some people pointed it back out, and now it's people have remembered. But yeah. when I first saw that, you know, because the way I thought of Carolina was really, like, they signed D'Angelo. And when that happened, I completely forgot about that for a couple hours. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with oh. you. I can't imagine that, that was the whole point. Of oh, the no, no, no. Of course but not. I, I agree no, but... with you for sure. It's um, it was funny the the headlines they've made this summer. <laughs> yeah, honestly. So I mean, yeah, and you, like you said, the Metro is going to be crazy. It'll be an interesting season for them. Wouldn't be shocked if they missed. Wouldn't really be shocked if they made it either, just because they do have a lot of talent up front. Um, but there it is, Kakanyemi, offer sheeted by the Hurricanes. They Habs have as you know since you know of the day we're recording this, they have six days I think left to match. Um, so we will see how that turns out. Um. And yeah, Kakanyemi, where will he go? Who knows? Um, but we will move on. Not a lot of other important signings. So we will get to the Sens discussion. We've talked a lot. I mean, so last episode, we kind of went over what we thought the Sens, the Ottawa Senators projected lines were going to be. Uh, they do have an AHL team, in case you didn't know. The Belleville Senators. And an ECHL one now. Yeah, really good, <laughs> a good organization all around. Um, but they, uh, the Belleville Senators will play a full season this year, which is exciting that hasn't happened for them in a while um they weren't very good they weren't great last year uh but the year before that they were on track to go very far in the playoffs probably and now they're coming back this year with a different team um a lot of exciting guys on it so josh you've been working on this you've been grinding this out for uh, most of this afternoon uh can you hit us with your projected lineups for the belleville senators this coming year at least to start the year yeah, I missed I missed the last episode. I had to make up for it, so I did the work of looking at really who could 
I used your guys' lines, and then I said, you know, who could, who's going to be left? I also assumed a bit of a taxi squad, so there might be some tweeners that aren't in this lineup that right. are just kind of stuck in between. But they actually, I think they have a really good team this year. So I'll start. So I'll start with the goalies because I'm not, I can't talk as much about the goalies, so I'll get them out of the way. Um, so Mad Sogard hopefully is the starter. You guys said that you think Gustafson's going to be the backup. I thought I saw stuff about Forsberg maybe being the backup. So Gustafson could theoretically play in the AHL, which I wouldn't like, but it is possible. Yeah. But we're just going to say he's in the NHL and Forsberg's on the tax squad. So um, Mad Sogard, he was good last year. He went 7 0 0 with mm-hmm. the B sense with a 917 save percentage. And from what I remember watching, their defense was a bit suspect. Like, yes. Defensively. Yes. You know, Lassie Thompson was not good defensively. So putting up that, those kind of numbers in front of that team is pretty good. Um, you know, under two and a half goals against a game, again, again on a team that's given up a lot of shots. Like, that's really good. So that's interesting because we all know the, uh, I mean, they lost a cord, but they still have a lot of goalies yeah. in the organization. And then I believe Kevin Mandeliz should also be there. So he could be the backup. Again, they have an ECHL team. So maybe they want him to get more minutes. So they start him there instead. They also, because they signed Tyler Parks to, I believe, a two way AHL ECHL deal. So he's also, you know, going to take up some time when those guys aren't playing. But their goal situation is looking pretty good. You know, we were watching Decord and Gustafson a couple of years ago. Now we get to watch Sogard and Mandelis. So yeah. hopefully that works out well. And then we'll just move up from the back. So now it's the defense. So you guys talked about Mete and Brandstrom possibly splitting minutes on the third pair. I have a bit of an idea that I don't agree with, but I think they may push. And you can, you know, chime in on what you think. But I wouldn't be surprised if they started a first pair of Brandstrom and Jacob Bernard Docker to try and get a bit of chemistry between those two guys, because I think that could be a solid second pair in the future for the Sens. Mm -hmm. And I'm just looking, I was looking at the other guys available, which I'll get to later after we talk about this, but if Brandstrom's not getting regular playing time, which I think he should in the NHL, I'd probably rather him get 25 minutes a night, you know, almost 25 minutes a night in the NHL first power play where he should already be on the Sens first power play in my opinion. But Give him, every, give him games every two days down there instead of putting him on the taxi squad and taking him off every second game. What yeah. do you think? I I agree with you. And we know that the Sens are not afraid to do this with their young players. We saw, I mean, Shabbat played AHL games too. Branstrom's been in the AHL. Yeah, he was younger. Exactly, yeah. well, sure. But Branstrom has played games in the AHL the last couple of seasons. I, I don't think they're afraid to put him back down there. And, you know, I don't, are the, are the Sens this smart where they're going to be like, we're going to make this pair of Brandstrom and Bernard Docker, bring them up together, and that can be a future pair for us? I'm not sure. Um, but I think I like that idea. I think that that could create a really, really cool dynamic between um, Brandstrom and Bernard Docker, like you said. And we'll see. Like, we'll see what they do. Because I, it, I mean, it, sh- it is a no-brainer that he should get playing time in the NHL. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really... I don't know, like, what else he has to do to deserve that. He hasn't really been given an actual partner ever, really. And he's still managed to improve and, and play some decent hockey. So I think, you know, at some point this year, I really hope that he's established himself as a full-time NHL defenseman in the organization's eyes, because I think that he should be able to do that. Um, yeah. But if they start him in the AHL with on the first pair playing a bunch of minutes with Bernard Docker, 
I don't think that's the end of the world at all. Yeah, better than you know third pair every you know, third yeah. pair on the pay, on base to play thirty five games in the season. I'd rather exactly. that for sure. So we'll assume that Brandstrom is there to at least start the year, maybe. Um, that would make the second pair Jonathan Asperot and Lassie Thompson, who's you know an interesting case who needs to keep improving. Um, I think that's you know I'm just looking at the guys left. That probably seems like the most logical pair. Those are clearly the top two defensemen left after those guys. Yeah. Um, well, so I mean, I don't, I don't just... know if there's go ahead after. I was just saying there's yeah. not much controversy there. I think that's no. just those are the top two guys left. I think one thing to point out is Lassie Thompson played all of last. I believe he played all or most of all of the AHL season last year with Hubert Labrie. Was his yes, partner. who's in the DEL now? Yes, he is. The Sens have when when this you know the Sens like to do this thing where they put a young player with an old player. And that yeah. seems to stem to their AHL team because that's exactly what that experiment was. Hubert Labrie is not very good. And that pair, I don't know the whole stats. I know that some of them were quite bad. They got torched most of the year. Oh, I yeah. Think. Absolutely, they, yeah. They got just destroyed in their own end. I, that could not have been healthy for a guy like Thompson. Aspero, <laughs> I remember, I think Aspero had a very good year last year. Um, for, for, for a 21-year-old, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, he's good. a guy who they invited to their dev camp a couple of times. They got him on an, on an AHL contract, and he's been very decent. I think he's a much better partner for Lassie Thompson than Hubert Labrie would have been. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm excited. That's a, that's a pair that excites me a little bit. Uh, one more year of experience for Thompson. I'll be interested to see what he can do. People kind of rule him out um, as a prospect. He's 20 years old. I mean, this... Thompson? Yeah. I mean, people kind of forget yeah. about him just because of all the other guys that are kind of seem to be ahead of him. Um, I think, I think the big thing is we have this idea in our heads that our left side is the offense and our right side is the defense, like the defensive <laughs> defenseman. Yeah. I guess so right. uh, yeah, an all offense right-handed D like Lassie Thompson doesn't necessarily fit in. When you mm-hmm. think of Shabbat Branstrom, don't know where Sanderson's going to fit in. If he's going to stay on the left side. Um, I mean, he's a two way D anyways. But then the right side, you know, you're thinking, okay, you got Zub, you got Jacob Bernard Docker, and then you got a third pair, right D. Those are the defensive guys. Yeah. But I think that might be part of the reason why. Yeah, I agree with you. But it'll be interesting to see how he can develop um, in another couple of years in Belleville for sure um, on a pair yeah. of Asbro. Yeah. And then, um, so, so if Branstrom does start in the NHL, then Asbro will probably be on the top pair. And then I could see two guys, Heathering, Dylan Hetherington, who was with Stockton last year, or Zach Leslie, who I believe was also with Stockton. Yeah maybe two years ago because um, one of them one of the two I'm definitely messing it up but one of the two is in the KHL last year the other one played for Stockton last year I think Leslie um, might have played for Stockton next year or yeah I year. think Hetherington may have been in the KHL in yeah. Kazakhstan last year um, anyways I, so I could see one of those two guys on the second pair with Thompson those guys are 26 and 27 so that's a bit of an older presence right um, but that's if you know Brand, if obviously if Branson was there he's on the top pair there's no doubting that um so then we move to the third pair i think this is an interesting pair they drafted the Suns drafted maxence gannett a couple of years ago mm-hmm. he's now 20 so he's eligible to play in the ahl for the first season and they signed his valdor teammate xavier bernard very recently to an ahl echl two-way deal and i did a bit of research took me a while because valdor apparently doesn't have a twitter so i had to find a reporter and they played every game, all 19 games on the top pair together. So those guys, you know, they've played together. And I don't see a reason, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that they also signed him. I think that would be their third pair. Because I don't mm-hmm. think Gannett has jumped 
past JBD or Thompson no, yet, obviously. And I think that'd be, I mean, I don't know if they're any good together. I haven't watched, but that's probably what the Sens think. We know that the Sens like to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Friends of players, that's one of their top priorities, it seems, when they're drafting or they're trading for or they're signing guys. Um, so we'll see what this guy has. I mean, he he has not, it, it's not like he's been on Valdor with Gannett for multiple years. He only got traded got there traded. last year yeah. and played 19 games. So is it a huge sample size? No, but there is the teammate connection there, definitely. And we'll see what happens. I mean, AHL, ECHL, I'm sure he'll be going back and forth between the two, depending on the rest of, you know, what they end up doing with that. Yeah, roster. Leslie and Hetherington. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Gannett, I'm, I'm excited to see if they get Gannett uh, in the lineup. I think he's a really interesting one. Um, he's got a bit of offense to him from what I've remembered, yeah. from what I've seen. Um, will it translate? We'll see. Uh, it's a seventh round pick. You got to temper your expectations a little bit, obviously, <laughs> but uh, we'll see what he can do if he, if he does end up playing an AHL season this year. Yeah. Yeah. And so that brings us to the offense, which I think is interesting. Obviously you know, two years ago, we had Batherson, we had Logan Brown, we had Formington, Nick Paul even was down there for a bit. I think that was three years ago. Like their offense was ridiculous and it was fun to watch when the Sens are struggling. Some, sometimes it was more fun to watch Belleville than Ottawa. Um, but you look at their top six this year, and I think it's really good again. They don't have the high-end names like a Drake Batherson, but the way I've put their lines, I obviously this is very highly unlikely to happen because you know, guys on the taxi squad, surprise guy makes it. But the way I have it right now, based on your guys' sends lines from last episode, would be the first line would be Robbie Yarventi, Andrew Agazino, and then Igor Sokolov. So what do you think of that? So Sokolov a lot of Sens fans know about um, just because of, you know, he's become this very likable prospect all of a sudden just with what he's done off the ice. He had a great year last year with Belleville. He was oh, very, yeah. very good. He's a perfect fit on that first line right wing. I remember. Guy. Yeah. Great. He's a great guy. And we and Louie had this conversation. Is it Paul? He could be that surprise guy that you alluded to that maybe makes the team out of camp. I know that the Sens have said they want to start him in the AHL, which I totally I think that would be better for him. He's a great player. I I think he needs, you know, a bit more time. He's still really young. I mean, they took him as a... As an overager. Yeah. He's 21. Like, he just turned 21. I wouldn't mind if he spent the start of the year there, and they have a hole on right wing. Like, we, you guys discussed last episode. I wouldn't mind seeing him come up mid-season or even after the trade deadline for 20, 25 games. Agazino is a really interesting one because this is a guy that they've signed as a free agent. And yes. at first, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, who the hell is that? Like, what is it? What is an Andrew Agazino? And then you look and this guy's, I'm pretty sure it was point per game in the AHL last year. Not just last year, multiple years. So in 2018-19, yeah. he had 60 points in 56 games. Then 2019-20, he had 33 and 37. Then last year, he had 27 and 31. And he, he's been an assistant in the AHL for years now, like ever since 2014-15. Yeah. And so this is a guy, you know, who they lost. They lost Matthew Pekka. Right. Who played on their top line center a lot last year. So I think that's a, you know, you kind of just slide him in, in the same role. Agazino seems like a better player mm-hmm. just in terms of points. Um, that really helps those young guys. Cause he's 30 years old. So yes, this is a veteran. Say. He's, and this yeah. is, you know, the sense like they're veterans. This is a good veteran. This is one that I can definitely get behind. Yeah. Where... And he's a guy who, if you have a lot of injuries, he can play in the NHL. Sure. He, every I'm looking at his elite prospects. A lot of seasons, you know, he has three games. 22 games, 11 games. Right. He's getting some time when when teams need him, mm. which is not a bad thing to have, obviously. No, no, it's definitely not. The Sens, I'd say, have a couple of those kind of guys in the AHL. Um, maybe 
a couple of them might appear on your next couple of lines here, but Pontus Aberg is a guy that they signed. Two two on the next line, yeah. Yeah, so you can just go ahead, I guess, then, and, and say what your second line is. Yeah, so Louis not here, but we got Angus Cruikshank, second line left wing, Louis' like favorite. That. Yeah. Um, Clark Bishop at second line center, who I think, you know, is a better player than Chris Tierney, but realistically Tierney is going to be in the NHL because he can't be really be sent down. And then Pontus Auberg, second line right wing. And I think Bishop and Auberg are both, you know, fringe NHLers who could, yeah. you know, could find a spark and be in the NHL team, which is weird to say that they're on the second AHL line. It's just, I think the way that the B sends have done it is those top two lines have always been interchangeable under man. Like you see the better players sometimes on the second line. And that's just because he likes to, he doesn't want to put all his eggs in one basket. Basically he's not yeah. putting all his best players together. He likes to separate that top six, which works out well, but it doesn't mean that, you know, Auberg is further down the depth chart than Sokolov right now necessarily. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, I mean, I mean, Bishop came over last year. I believe that was the Max Lajoie trade, if I'm not mistaken. Who, sorry? The Max, yeah, the Max Lajoie trade. Or did they get him yes. off wave? Yeah, okay, the Max Lajoie trade. And he was, I thought he was great. I thought that he played, you know, games in the bottom six. I noticed him in a good way when he was on the ice. He oh, yeah. Tried to with Covington sometimes. Oh, the, yeah. I mean, speed. if he ends up being the number one call-up, I would not be opposed to that at all. Um, him, I'd say him at center and Auberg on the wing. Yeah, sure. Uh, whatever you want to yeah. call it, really. Um, and, yeah, that's, I mean, when you talk about a top six in the AHL, you really can't ask for much more than that top six. I mean, it, it's really, there's not a lot of gaping holes. Crookshank to me is an interesting one. He had a really hot year when he came up last he year. He had 16 points in 19 games, yeah, which is I mean, very good. He was on an absolute heater. Yeah. Was that a fluke? Was that like a one-off or will he keep going? That'll be really interesting to see for me. Good thing he's there. not here. Yes. Yeah, so right oh, trust me. I'm picking my words wisely. Um, but he's, uh, He'll be interesting. I think he'll do well. And it's fun it's to a, watch. So that's, that's yeah, good. he is fun to watch. And and that'll be a really a really fun top six in total to watch, I think, for Belleville coming up this year. Yeah, and I think the other thing with the first line, Yerventi, Agazino, Sokolov, is I could totally see them being the first line and Agazino kind of being a guy who is there to have a solid first line. Whereas yeah. the second line is Bishop and Auberg, and those guys are kind of in and out of the lineup, whereas yeah. Man wants a set Concrete. first line as yeah. much of the season. So we'll see what happens. And then I'm you move down and we have a hard hitting third line of Shaw, Kastelik, and Sabarin, who could also get called up at some point this season. <laughs> we know he against the Leafs, will. he makes oh, his way get, up and then he goes back down. I care. That's a hard hitting third line. I mean, they have you know Mark Kastelik at center, who's you know the only prospect on that line. Yeah. How much of a prospect is he at this point? I'm not 100% sure. I haven't watched him very much, I'll be honest. So I can't really say with certainty. But Shaw was the captain last year. So maybe Man wants him in the top six. That's the other thing. I just don't see him being better than any of those other six players I've already named. Right. So that's why I put him on the third line. Um, and then the fourth line, they signed Mitch Holscher. So I put him in the lineup at yep. fourth line left wing. And then another sense prospect, Philip Daou. I put him at 4C, and then Sherwood at fourth line right wing, and that rounds out the forward core. So one thing that I will say, I mean, you talk about, obviously there's people that will be omitted from that. One guy yeah. that I noticed that you didn't have is Cole Reinhardt, 
who yes played last true. year he played last year i think he was on a line with castellick and that was a, they like they really liked that line i think um him and castellick i forget who the other player was but he did all right i mean he got 12 points um and and, and they signed him to an elc if i'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure he's yeah. actually under so contract. i could totally yeah that's true i could totally see so one thing that i think could be a possibility is if one of the players I named and the one I'm looking at right now would be Scott Sabarin is on the taxi squad Yeah, and isn't actually in the AHL. I could see Reinhardt being on the third line and I think that's the right spot for him. Yeah, He's not a top six AHLer, Definitely but not, no. I could totally see one of those guys being on the taxi squad or, you know, being a 13th forward in the press box. And that means that there's an extra spot in the forward court. And I would say Sabarin on the third line right wing would be that spot where Cole Reinhardt could slip in. Yeah. So, I mean, it, they, they have options there in, in, in Belleville. That'll be, I think that'll be a team that is much improved from last year. And I think that they might try to take a run at least at the playoffs, um, which will be fun to watch. I'm, I mean, we go back, I mean, you talked about the goalies a while ago. I'm really excited to see what Sogar can do if he's the full starter down there, because he had a fantastic, he came over and just lit it up in the crease in the seven or eight games or whatever it was that he was here for. Um, and he's a guy that, I've seen a couple people say this where they're like, he's the goalie of the future for the Sens, Matt Sogar. He's huge. I think he's like 6'8 or something. He's, yeah. you know, he's got, he played incredible in Belleville last year. He's still quite young. Do you think you could see a scenario where Sogar might have a bit of like the inside lane to being the future Sens starter maybe a few years down the road? I say yes, because goalies are so unpredictable. Yeah. Like he could, you know, he could come up this year and put a 925 in Belleville and they're almost forced to call him, call him up, not call him up, but maybe start him in the NHL in 2022, 23. And then at that point, it's like, you have to trade someone. You have to trade either Murray, Gustafson or him. I could see that happening just because you know, he, he's, he's a good goalie, obviously. So, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not huge on being able to scout goalies. So I'm not going to claim to be either. Um, but yeah, I have heard a lot of people that are really high on Sogard. And it's a good problem to have with goalies because yep. like, we, like we always talk about every single episode, it's how voodoo they are. So when you have more, I think this is where quantity is better than quality because quality isn't necessarily repeatable as much unless you have an Andre Vasilevsky on your hands, which almost no team does. Yeah, exactly. It's like they have so many above average goalie prospects that I think the odds of two of them panning out are pretty high. And right now it might look like Gustafsson and Sogard are those two. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I, you, you pointed out earlier that you think that um, Forsberg might back up Murray and they might, because of you know how the taxi squad might work, but I really think that would be a mistake. I think that I, Gustaf- I think Gustafson has done everything right and he should be the backup. I'm totally okay with giving Murray another chance to try to take the reins. He finished off the year very well. I don't know. People sometimes forget. Yeah, that. it was a it was a four five oh, sure. game sample. That's why but I'm not like. It's a bit. I mean, it, it's it's promising. I mean, at least it's a bit promising. Yeah. Like if he can play, just even kind of slightly like that for this season, you're at least giving your team a chance. And Gustafson came in last year and took the reins for the good part of the season and played very very well. And he deserves to be the backup. Forsberg is a guy that you put on your tax squad because he's kind of, he's, what was he on waivers like three or four times last year? Like he's, you know, he could come in and he came in and he did all right. And he could come in and he can do the job, but
but he's not in he is a future. backup goalie. Yeah, yeah, but he's not in your he's future like, plans as a team. Exactly. And I think you have to treat it a bit like that, where you have Gustafson. Sogard should absolutely, undoubtedly be the starter in the A. Mandelis is a little lost in this, but he, maybe he starts in the ECHL. Maybe he backs up the AHL. doesn't really matter. Um, but we'll see what happens with the goalies. Yeah, I, I think the preseason is going to be like such a huge thing for yeah. goalies. There's three goalies that they have you know, on the radar to start in the NHL, and only two of them can do it. So I think that there's going to be a huge battle in, in the preseason. And if one goalie has a, a biz, you know, sub-900 in the preseason and the other two do well, I think it'll be obvious who they pick. Is it good, going to be the right long-term plan if Gustafson's under 900 and they're like, eh, we'll send him down? Maybe not. But I, I'm sure that's exactly what they're planning on doing anyways. I think the preseason is weird to me because I think you're right. I think they're going to use the preseason a lot. Preseason is also kind of stupid because you're playing it as a goalie. You're playing behind guys that some of them will probably never touch the NHL that year. Like if they put in like a little AHL lineup and then Gustafson is behind the AHL lineup and they get lit up, is that really – a testament to how Gustafson would play in a real NHL game like are you even allowed could you really like justify using those stats because I think it's important to to know you know kind of what kind of game he's playing to fairly judge if he had a good game or not in the preseason yeah the flip side to that is the other team is probably going to be around the same quality right sure. and if anything I think the Sens tend to put out better lineups than the opposing team does in the preseason from what I remember, they kind of they'll put not not won't necessarily put in their best player for every preseason game, but I think the last couple games of a preseason usually involve your best yeah. players, and the Sens tend to do that a bit earlier than most teams. Sure. So if anything, they might you know Gustafson or any backup goalie playing that game may have the advantage of a better roster in front of them. But I'm I'm sure it's it might not even come down to just stats. You know, if they have a goalie coach, a new one, I forget his name because they got rid of Pierre Grou as the goalie Burke, coach. I think Sean Burke. Yes, yes. Um, so they have him, and I'm sure it's going to come down to more than stats, right? Yeah. Stat, especially in that small sample, can be luck. So we'll see what they do. I have mm-hmm. no no negative comments about the goalie coach. So we'll yeah. see what happens and what he decides to do. We will. And so now, that, so there's your Belleville Senators update for the day. Uh, we go through the whole lineup. They for definitely the have month. a team. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. I, we have to, we talk about this, we've talked about this a lot. We have to give a Jack Eichel update because he, there was a tweet that has come he's out. He's in Montreal. He's in Montreal, guys, trade. He did it. Montreal. But he, someone, I think it was Eric Engels, maybe. Yeah. yeah, it was Eric Engels who tweeted. It was something like, Jack Eichel boarded a plane to Montreal. He's got With his stick. office stick. And then everyone is just losing their mind. And then he's like, oh yeah, it's just for the BioSteel training camp. Yeah. Like, okay, man. <laughs> like it's just so like, why would you? Why would you wait to tweet that other thing? Like it, it's just get it. I don't know. I think it's so stupid. Got everybody. Oh, so it's for clicks. Everyone, oh yeah, it's yeah. for it's all for, these it's reporters for do that all the time. But anyway, it's good. It stirred a bit of it stirred a bit of controversy. Yeah. I think a lot of people were really hoping. Well, here's the thing, right? Buffalo does not have a direct flight to Ottawa, so people were like, oh man, connecting <laughs> connecting flight at Montreal. He's coming home. <laughs> the kid but uh mm. that, that does not appear to be the case i i know we're holding out hope but i <laughs> i could not see that i don't envision that ever happening no neither do i but we can we can dream the other i mean jack eagle switched agents earlier this week which is kind of interesting um i'm not sure if 
if that'll affect that. Well, I'm sure it will. Affect I think that's an, a bigger negative for the Suns getting him. I mean, Pat Brisson is not a fun agent to deal with as not, a no, yeah. team. So I think that's another negative in the Suns' plans to to try and get Eichel. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. That it's just that situation is such a mess right now with him and Buffalo. Like, it, like, could anyone have really envisioned that it would get this ridiculous? Yeah, and I I, I think it's gone to such a point. It's waited on so long. He hasn't got his surgery that I don't think he'd be ready for no, you know, yeah. opening night. And I no think way. that drives price down even further. I agree. That's yeah. Because uh, I don't know the exact time timetable, but in theory, let's say it's two months, right? Like he's gonna have no value at the deadline. Nobody's no gonna. Yeah. Why? I don't understand what Buffalo is doing. I think they're the longer they wait, the lower the value gets. They should just let. I think they should just let him get his surgery. I I hundred percent agree with you. That's like I mean hockey side. That's like the moral and ethical correct thing to do is to let him get the surgery but yeah and the argument is that it's never been done in hockey before but it's been done in football and it's been done in the ufc and especially if you're looking yeah. at the nfl like the nfl is a much higher contact sport than it's hockey. a much more brutal and violent right? sport you're getting way. hit a lot harder if yeah. those guys are able to play you know through that i don't see why jack eichel couldn't yeah no i i agree with you and at the end of the day it's like it is his choice. He is the person who, you know, it is his body. Like, he should be able to decide if he can get the, uh... I do wonder what would happen if there's sort of, like, if Buffalo can just say, all right, we're voiding your contract because you breached it. And would they want to do that? Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean... want to just get I out of like, the contract? Yeah, like, Jack Eichel would probably... You could probably just get the surgery. Like, what are they going to do? Lose him for nothing then if they void his contract? <laughs> like, it's just stupid. Why wouldn't you? That is like, an interesting idea. I'm not sure exactly. I, I don't think it would get, get implicated. I don't think it'll oh get no, that no, no. Point. But it is no. a little, uh, a little hypothetical that you can, you can brainstorm. But uh, yeah. All right. So I believe that is all the time that we have for this episode. Um, covered a lot of B ends. Covered the Cock and Yemi thing. Sveshnikov contract, Turia contract. Next week. Next week will be fun. Next week will actually be much more fun than this because we are going to try what I like to call obscure sense trivia, where I will compile 10 to 15 trivia questions related to the sense. And they're not like who led in points this year or like who's the all-time leader in, you know, assists. They're going to be like absurd, unthinkable questions. And then Louie and Josh will do their very best to try to answer them. So tune in next week because uh, that'll be a fun time. Follow along at home, uh, too. If you can answer them... I don't them, know whether to be excited or not. Oh, be excited, man. Holy crap. This is like my pride and joy in working on this. So that'll be, that'll be a fun episode next week. Um, and until then, thank you so much for watching. And we will see you around. See you guys.